Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for being online. Uh, I trust that there's uh, at least several of you out there watching online. And as I mentioned, we're in Hollister, California. Um, it's been cold this morning for us. We call it cold. Like I say, there's snow on the mountain, but uh, I understand up in the Dakotas and Montana and uh, northern states, uh, they're getting uh, quite a cold and snow spell up there. Uh, much more so, much more harsh than we have here. And so uh, <laughs> another thing we can't complain about, we can't complain about cold when it's 60 degrees colder somewhere else. and People are dealing with it every day. Um, today we want to talk about miracles of creation. Um, for you here in the classroom, I apologize for the uh, bland slide presentation here. Those of you online can probably see the background. I purposely chose a dark background because I have white text and I like got to have the contrast so you can easily see it, but uh, it really kind of washes out in here. So it looks like black and white in this room. But uh, miracles of creation. Uh, a lot of this deals with your point of view. Uh, we talk about uh, Christian worldview many times in our circles and um, especially when it comes to trying to explain the past with what we see in the present. And this is kind of a favorite topic of mine, and I haven't, had, haven't taught Sunday school uh, very much uh, in the recent past because of COVID and because uh, Rick has been so faithful in teaching classes for us. So it gives me kind of a chance to get up on my pedestal again, or my uh, tree stump, as you might call it, um, one of my favorite topics is the uh, debate between creation and evolution. And we see many cases where we have evidence of a created universe. Um, you can see, depending on how you look at it, you look around the world, you can see evidence of design in our creation. Evidence that um, things did not come about accidentally. You, as a human being, are not an accident of nature. You are not just part of uh, 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 the animal kingdom, but you are special and created by God, especially. And in many cases, well, why is this important? Do we need to prove that the Bible is accurate in this area, that God created, or God created in six literal days? There's debates among Christians uh, who are saved, believe in Jesus, believe in God. There are those who still believe in a very old earth and very old uh, universe because of what they're, they're taught in school, um, belief system. And I was that way when I first got saved. I thought, well, God created in six literal days. Well, who's to say a day isn't an uh, 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 eon or millions of years? And only through study did I prove to myself that that's impossible. So, again, it comes back to your point of view. I was saved before I took that point of view. But if you look at the facts uh, fairly and with an open mind, you can come to the same conclusion even if you're not yet saved. This is because, um, well get on to our next point. Is the Bible true? Why is it so important? Well, it's important because uh, 
our young people today are going off to, most of them, public schools in the United States, um, universities, campuses around the United States that are only teaching the theory of evolution and millions and billions of years in the universe. And they are not being given alternatives. Um, the alternative is the Bible says is true and God created. Um, because of what scientists and professors are teaching in our universities, uh, young people are going out that grew up in a Bible-believing church, grew up going to Sunday school, grew up, grew up even in a Christian school, and they will go off to our college campuses and be indoctrinated into this scientific uh, mode of uh, believing that the universe is very old. And if you look at it um, from a Christian's perspective, there's a lot of problems with that, of course, because it doesn't agree with the Holy Bible. And why is it important? Well, for the reason I just stated, we need to show people that there is an alternative. Overwhelmingly, like I say in the universities, but this extends to the Internet, uh, Google, um, information sources, Wikipedia, they are taking on this atheistic point of view that God does not exist. And one of their reasonings for that is because of the evolutionary theory of our universe. Um, the incredible complexity of our universe and the ultimate complexity of mankind cannot be overlooked. Um, in recent history, um, we've had so many scientific discoveries just in the past, say, 200 years, especially in the last 100 years, that uh, bring to light certain facts that were unknown to man, unknown to scientists even 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Um, many great scientists in the past have uh, made scientific discoveries, such as, of course, you think of uh, Newton and the laws of gravity and Einstein and all these um, Einstein's fairly recent in history. I mean, he's this last century. But uh, we've learned a lot just since Einstein has been around. Um, I maintain that we could not have evolved into the human beings we are, or this universe could not have become this universe of planets, stars, uh, solar systems, galaxies, all by itself. Um, accidentally cannot happen, and we'll see that in a moment. Um, any which way you look at it, whether you look at it from a Christian perspective or you look at it from uh, current popular science perspective, those are the two viewpoints I'm going to look at today. Either way you look at it, many, many miracles need to occur for this world to exist the way we see it today. And I think... You'll agree with me. We've got, I've got only eight points we're going to go over today. And I don't know how long it's going to take. I always have this trouble when I have to teach Sunday school because I don't do it that often. I put together material, and it's, we're either going to be done in 15 minutes or I'm going to run out of time and have to quit on point two. But I have eight points I want to give you today just for thought, food for thought, and some reasoning behind it just to get your brain working. Um, 
The Bible says that we should be ready to uh, talk about, to share our faith, to uh, show why we believe what we believe. And we don't have to shy away from science like it's science over here and the Bible over here. Where the Bible touches on science, it's true, and we can trust it. It's not a, necessarily a scientific book. You don't see formulas in there. You don't see um, equations and, and theories and that sort of thing. But what we do find in here is truth. And the more you study the Bible, the more you'll find that it's inherently true all the way through. So, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. We all know, we all know that. He created the heavens and the earth. Then uh, Genesis goes through the steps God took to do that, um, creating our universe as we know it, and all the way through to mankind, Adam and Eve. Um, John 1.3 backs it up, uh, speaking about Jesus. In the beginning, all things were made by him that were made. And when the Bible says all things, it means all things. So we have to take it literally in that sense. Popular science today, uh, the, the overriding theory in popular science, I'm sure you've heard of, the Big Bang. Um, many, many very smart physicists and scientists, uh, astrophysicists, cosmologists, have come to an agreement in today's age that this is the predominant theory of how our universe began. Well, there's some problems with that. Also, as part of that theory, things beyond the Big Bang happened by random chance. Um, our Earth ended up with an atmosphere, with a moon rotating around it, and the sun's solar system in a perfect order so that man could exist. And that all happened by accident, according to popular science. Um, animal and plant life all evolved from single cell, you may say amoeba, or... <laughs> Some people like to say out of the ether um, many, many billions of years ago or millions of years ago. And in keeping with that theory, popular science has to use the fact that time is involved. Uh, small changes in uh, DNA and small changes in uh, the universe as we know it happened over a huge amount of time, whereas the Bible is the opposite. A huge change happened in a short period of time. We'll see that again as well coming up. Um, point number one, the universe. Figured I'd start with a simple subject, the universe. Um, reason I had to start with this one is because the universe is the beginning, uh, especially according to popular science, the, the Big Bang. You can't, they can't discuss what happened before the Big Bang, um, only what happened after the Big Bang. And in our case, uh, the Bible says we have a miraculous creation here. And in the beginning, God created, uh, according to Genesis 1.1, and we take that on faith. Now, why is it so important to me that we need to align science with the Bible? We don't. I'm sorry, you can call this kind of a rabbit trail today if you want, but I'm only teaching one Sunday, so 
I can kind of do that. And this is Sunday school. I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not going to give you expository preaching. But I am going to reference the Bible from time to time because that's the basis for what I'm talking about. But we do need to understand what secular society believes so that we can explain to other people that make these claims, such as the Big Bang, that there's serious scientific problems with all those theories. Um, I'm going to have a quote here from Stephen Hawking. He's, um, if you haven't heard of Stephen Hawking, he's one of our uh, most brilliant uh, physicians. physicians. <laughs> what do I want to say? Um, what's the term I'm looking for? Physics. He's the study of physics, yeah. Uh, Stephen Hawking's, Hawkins. He's a, he just passed away recently, and he was a big supporter of the Big Bang Theory and a very harsh critic of uh, the Christian point of view. But this is one of his statements about uh, the Big Bang. There was a time called the Big Bang when the universe was infinitesimally small and infinitely dense. That's talking about where the Big Bang come from. Think of a firecracker. You have this firecracker and a tiny little stick, and then you set it off and it explodes, or hang grenade, or whatever you want. Take that to a massive, massive degree, and you have the Big Bang. But he also goes on to say after that, that under such conditions, all the laws of science, and therefore all ability to predict predict the future would break down. Same physicist who, very knowledgeable in the laws of physics, says that the laws of physics had to break down in order for the Big Bang to occur. Now, what do we call that? In Christian terms, we call that a miracle. Scientists have a hard time with miracles, but yet he's claiming a miracle. And there's no way around it with the Big Bang theory. Um, they can use all kinds of equations and theories and, and things like that to explain our universe after the Big Bang. But the most obvious flaw in the theory is the original Big Bang itself. Where, of course, we believe God created, God works outside of the laws of physics. Thank you very much that he put the laws of physics into play. Otherwise, we wouldn't have constant gravitational pull. We wouldn't have uh, the law of thermodynamics, the second law of thermodynamics, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's so many laws. I work in electronics, and there's so many rules, uh, equations in electronics that are hard, fast rules. You can't avoid the laws of physics. Um, as our frequencies and our instrumentation and uh, your internet at home, Wi-Fi, satellite communications, military. Um, they're always demanding our frequencies and electronics go higher and higher and faster and faster and faster. Well, the laws of physics don't change when we do that, but they become much harder to deal with. That's why it takes such a huge investment in... Uh, science and, and technology to make small gains in those areas. Um, same thing with our universe. Uh, there's such a vast amount of energy out there, gravitational pull. Um, there's another side trail, but you think of 
the uh, Einstein theory, E equals MC squared theory of relativity, a uh, simple explanation I'm familiar with is your automobile. If you, your automobile is going down the highway 60 miles an hour and you have to come to a sudden stop, you jam on the brakes. Well, how does all that momentum and energy going forward, how do the brakes stop you? Well, they absorb the energy in heat. Then that heat has to be dissipated from your disc brakes. That's why disc brakes have to t be able to take incredible amounts of heat. Now, that heat is dissipated, usually back into the atmosphere, and goes full cycle, will be recycled again at some point, and uh, it's, it's a, a, a vicious circle, round and round and round we go. Um, for e every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Same thing with physics. So anyway, the universe requires a miracle. How about um, animal life? We have, the Bible describes uh, life on Earth post, both pre and post flood are the big breaking points uh, as far as animal life occurs. Of course, we believe Noah and uh, man existed after Adam and Eve up into Noah's day. And it was a very different world back then. We don't know a lot of details about how the world was, but it was uh, most likely covered in uh, uh, gas, a um, lot of water in the air, liquid in the air, cloud cover. Uh, there may not have even been any sunshine. We don't know. I don't know myself. But God created all plants and creatures after his kind. Now, if you look in the Bible, I did a search. Uh, thankfully, I have a computer. I did a search on the after his kind in... Uh, the Bible, and there's 31 references in Genesis through Leviticus, I believe it is, of the term after his kind. So God made plant life after his kind. God made animals after his kind. God made man after his kind. You see, one kind stays together, and uh, theory is, we'll get to this again in another slide, that uh, say plants. You have a palm tree was created, and then other palm trees, other varieties of palm tree were created in the likeness of palm trees. You don't see uh, a palm tree turning into an oak tree in the past. That sort of thing. We don't have any evidence for that sort of thing. Same thing with animals and man. Um, fully formed creatures. Okay, this um, I want to highlight uh, on animal life, pre and post flood. The reason I bring up the flood is because there is this strata on Earth that uh, geologists have found called the Cambrian. Uh, they call it the Cambrian layer. And it is from the Cambrian period of time, which some say was several thousand years ago. Others say it was millions, 500 million years ago. But there are areas in Montana, specifically as huge fossil fields in Montana. Quite a, quite a lot of fossils and dinosaurs have been found there. And uh, this Cambria strata, Cambrian strata has been found in China, Russia, Canada, and probably other places in the world too. But it's all basically what they call the same layer from the same time period of Earth. Now, the interesting thing about the Cambrian strata, Cambrian era, is that there are huge, a huge variety of fossils from... Um, all types of creatures, not necessarily mammals, but a lot of uh, 
I can't even think of the scientific names, something like orthiopods and, you know, think of all those Latin names. I don't have them in front of me right now. But uh, a vast number, a vast amount of animal life was laid down in this one layer of the earth. And they have yet to find, they've found fossils that predate that Cambrian area, era. But the odd thing is, in that Cambrian layer, the animal kind they found in that layer is fully formed. There's no predecessory, uh, predecessor, can't even think of the word right now, preceding um, fossil finds that show preceding life forms leading up to that. They're already fully formed, crustaceans and uh, bugs of different types and all kinds of fossils that are already developed. You can't find any uh, evolutionary reasoning for that. Um, one of the things popular science comes up with is an explanation that perhaps these pre-existing fossils were all destroyed in some type of cataclysmic event. Whereas if you look at it from a biblical point of view, it makes total sense if you have a worldwide flood, most animal life on earth died in that flood and would have been laid down in the deposits at the bottom of the waters as the waters receded and caused those layers in the earth. So it's a pretty simple explanation from a biblical point of view, whereas man has to make up explanations for a popular scientific point of view. Um, so that's another area where the biblical explanation of the flood actually makes more sense than all these scientific uh, reasons we can come up with. Okay, point number three, age of the earth again. Uh, erosion, kind of interesting. Um, we can not measure exactly, but we can kind of guesstimate the amount of uh, sediment that runs off into the ocean. Um, in biblical terms, we just talked about the great flood of Noah. Well, that would set down a whole bunch of sediment all over the earth. But we also, at the same time, if you believe in the Bible, believe that the uh, mountains rose, which separated, made uh, different altitude changes in the earth. So we ended up with our vast oceans and a receding of the waters, which uh, would have built the Grand Canyon and other things. Um, fast, short-term rearrangement of the Earth's features is what the uh, flood explains. Um, popular science says that we have ancient age of the Earth and through a long, slow process of erosion, um, things are eroded away, such as the Grand Canyon, a big example. I think of uh, Mississippi River, um, biggest, largest river in the United States, and uh, not as big as the Amazon, but you've all seen maps probably of the Mississippi River, how you have relatively faster moving water carrying sediment down to the Gulf, and then when it hits, the rapidly moving water hits the Gulf, which is much slower moving water, the sediment drops to the bottom, Thereby, you end up with the Mississippi River Delta. Um, this happens in rivers all over the world, streams, everywhere, where sediment is carried down and deposited. Um, the problem is, at that current, our current rate of uh, sedimentary levels entering into the oceans, they should have been clogged with another 250 times more uh, sediment than they have today. So if you started adding millions and millions of years onto the, the geological record, 
it just doesn't fit. Um, another thing I didn't put up here on the bullet on the uh, PowerPoint is the same thing. We have a constant flushing of salts and minerals off the earth from rains and storms, whatnot, floods, and that goes back into the ocean. Now, of course, salt water, you know, you can't drink, but if you boil salt water and take the evaporated steam and condense it back into water again, it takes the salt out so you can drink it. Well, the same thing happens with our oceans. Our ocean, the water evaporates off the ocean, creates clouds, rains, fills up our rivers and reservoirs, and we have drinking water again. Um, but in that process, it leaves the salt behind in the ocean. So our oceans are slowly getting more and more salt in them over time. And if you extrapolate the amount of salinity in the seawaters that's uh, uh, changing over time and go back millions of years, we would have dead seas. Animal life as we know it, the fish, uh, whales, sharks, whatever, could not exist in that much salinity of water. So uh, you can't just randomly throw time at everything and have it fit. Um, four, I don't have a clock up there, so I'm going to have to cheat and look at my phone. Ah, we still have a little bit of time. Point four, age of the earth. Again, the lost squadron. This one's kind of, uh, I'm kind of partial to this because my father actually flew in World War II, and uh, he was never left the United States in training. He did leave the United States, technically. He flew supplies over to North Africa in uh, DC-3, which is kind of an interesting tale. I could tell you more about it if you want, but that's neither here nor there. But what I find interesting is this tale of the Lost Squadron, and it's actually a historical fact. We have very good records of this. Um, but it relates to ice layers. That's why I'm bringing it up in the age of the Earth. In recent creation, we have ice layers uh, would not necessarily reflect the years of age. The reason I say that is backing up to what scientists are discovering. They drill down in the ice, especially in Greenland and Antarctica. They can drill down miles, um, kilometers, through the ice and pull out a core of ice and look at it and count rings and measure uh, different uh, layers in the ice. Ice layers with each successive storm and each successive year. Um, but layers in the ice don't necessarily mean years as tree rings would. You can pretty accurately count how old a tree is by looking at the rings. Um, I still remember as a kid going up in Muir Woods and they had a uh, redwood tree sawn a uh, section of a redwood tree and you count thousands of years in there. Um, I didn't count it, but I took their word for it. Um, some trees uh, go back to the time of Christ and beyond. They can be very, very old. But with ice, it's not so accurate. Um, reason being that you can have multiple storms in... Uh, anywhere in the world, you have a layer of snow come down, and then you could have a thaw, melts the ice, another layer of snow comes along, a freezing spell, freezes it, another uh, cold spell, hot spell, cold spell, hot spell, you can have multiple layers of ice in one year. Um, this was shown uh, in this uh, historical event. 
Um, let's back up to 1942. Um, World War II, this uh, squadron of airplanes, there was four, <coughs> excuse me, my voice is cracking, four uh, P-38s and a couple of uh, B-17 bombers that were on a mission. And in order to cross the Atlantic back in those days, of course, they had to stop for fuel. Well, they found on the way that the airport they were stopping for fuel at was socked in with weather. They couldn't land. So they had to turn around and go back to the previous airport only to find that it was socked in. And here they are out over Greenland running out of fuel. What do they do? They decide to ditch in the snow. Fortunately, all the crew members survived that. Um, first airplane crashed because it had its landing gear down and flipped, but he made it out. The others said, oh, well, we're not going to do that. So they kept the landing gear up and did a belly flop and pretty well landed intact. Um, they were way up north because it took them 10 days to be rescued by dog sled. Story. Well, uh, back in the 1980s, a couple of men decided they wanted to go hunt for those airplanes. Hey, P-38 today is a, quite a collector's item. Um, if you can picture a P-51 Mustang, a P-38 is like two of them put together. Two fuselages you might have seen with two tails. Cool looking airplane. So they went hunting for it. Well, they found these airplanes under 250 feet of ice. So since 1942 till about 1988, 250 feet of ice built up. So, and multiple, multiple layers. So it kind of shows that the age of the earth can't necessarily be measured in thickness of ice. Um, number five, again, we're still on the age of the earth because this is an important topic, especially when it comes back to, you'll find that if you read um, our church's statement of faith, we do believe uh, here that God created in six literal days the heavens and the earth. Um, the word for day in the Bible is yom, a uh, Hebrew word, and everywhere else in the Bible it's used, it signifies one day. The, the morning and the evening were a day. The morning and the evening were a yom. Um, and so on. So we take that as a word of truth. Um, Earth has a magnetic field around it. I didn't realize this. A magnetic field around Earth actually protects us from uh, solar radiation. A magnetic field can be measured and is currently in a state of decay. The magnetic field of the Earth is slowly uh, collapsing. At the current rate of decay, the Earth's magnetic field could be no more than 20,000 years old. So try translating that into five billion years, or four and a half billion years. Popular science says the world is four and a half billion years old. Well, how do you explain the magnetic field around Earth if it's four and a half billion years old? Well, they have to come up with a theory that the magnetic field around Earth, in the Earth, is self-sustaining. Um, only problem is that theory requires breaking the laws of physics again just like we did for the Big Bang. Laws of physics have to go bye-bye. Um, and we just have to remember who created the laws of physics. Um, number six, a favorite with kids is the topic of dinosaurs. This is used a lot. You see cartoon characters of dinosaurs, and um, popular science believes that dinosaurs went extinct, how long ago? 65 million years ago. That was like day before yesterday in the, the timetable. Um, oddly enough, um, dinosaurs 
if they went extinct 65 million years ago, there would be no, almost no trace of them today other than the bones we find in fossils. Um, there is huge, been huge dinosaur bone finds right in the middle of LA, um, the La Brea Tar Pits, um, right there by UCLA campus, uh, oddly enough. And again, Montana, other parts of the world, Alaska, there's so many bones underground that we haven't even discovered yet, but um, dinosaurs do exist, or I believe are chronicled slightly in the Bible, and uh, particularly in the book of Job, we have references to the behemoth and Leviathan, and if you wonder why we don't have the word dinosaur in our Bible, the word hadn't been invented yet. Um, it's a fairly recent word, just invented this last century probably when they started digging up these bones and wondering what they were. Also, you find images of dinosaurs on cave walls. Um, I think of an image, particularly in uh, Cambodia, of temples in Cambodia, where they have a pretty accurate figure of a dinosaur on the temple. And uh, also you have, we've all heard of tales of knights fighting dragons, right? Well, what's the difference between a dragon and a dinosaur? Not a whole lot. Um, back to Behemoth. Behemoth is only referenced uh, very shortly in the book of Job. But um, one thing it does say is that his tail was like a cedar. If you've ever seen a cedar tree, they're big and tall. Um, that's why they're used so much in construction. That was a preferable construction wood in um, Israel, the time they were building the temple and uh, other buildings. And popular science can't necessarily explain why we have pictures drawn by man of dinosaurs. I think that's kind of interesting. And, oh, um, not on this slide, but I had notes on it. Recent discovery, um, I don't recall the date, but it's within the last uh, couple of decades. Um, scientists have discovered uh, soft bone tissue in dinosaur bones. And it was first thought to be some other element that got in there and uh, was not real, the real dinosaur flesh. But it's been since proven true. Um, the reason it wasn't discovered previously is because if someone finds a dinosaur bone, they run off to the museum and try to keep it intact. Well, one scientist decided, we're gonna, I'm going to slice this open and see what's in it. Well, they found soft tissue inside this bone. It's been repeated over and over again. And the problem with that with 65 million years is that there's no way soft tissue could uh, remain for that period of time. It would decay and go away. So now popular science is trying to come up with theories on how it could last that long. <laughs> I'm gonna have a problem with that. I like, I like the theory in here that they're not that old. Number seven, what do we have here? Oh, this is another one of my favorites. Um, you can't see this, but you probably get an idea from the representation on the right that this is a tree of life, according to evolutionary theory. This one is very old. Um, we always think of Charles Darwin, but this was actually originally uh, thought up by Ernst Haeckel. Um, this is from 1866. Now, you think that's antiquated information, doesn't apply today, but you can look for um, tree of life uh, drawings or 
representations today on the internet, and a lot of this still applies. Um, Bible says that we were designed. God formed man of the dust of the ground. Well, what can you make with dust? Uh, if you're a kid, you can make mud. <laughs> Clay, that's about it. God can do much more. Um, and also, he took Adam's rib, and the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. So God created man and woman, according to our biblical theory. I want you to notice on this tree of life, again, you can't read it, but on the, the left branches here, left third of the page, you have plant life. The middle third, you have bacteria and proteates, uh, protozoans, that sort of thing, uh, primordial life forms. Then um, on the right third of the page, you have animalia, and of course, we put right at the very top, the king of the, king of the world, uh, man, humans. Now, interestingly enough, um, I want to show you. I didn't want to post it online. I didn't want to have to worry about copyright laws, but I just happened to find under Rick's desk here a book of biology uh, from the high school class here, and human anatomy, I mean. Um, in it, we have a representation of what the human eye looks like. And the human eye is a very complex thing, organism. We're just going to look at the eyeball itself and kind of disregard all the uh, miraculous stuff that goes on behind the eye and the brain to help us see images and retain images. But the human eye has, um, I should have written it down, you have uh, iris, cornea, retina, a lens, all the fluid inside, a muscle that can focus the eye, uh, squeezes the eye so that it can focus, um, the optic nerve in the back that feeds the information to your brain. It's just an amazingly complicated thing our eyeball is. Now, if you look at this tree of life, you go down mammals, down all these branches, and then right here, Again, you can't read it. You're going to have to take my word for it. Um, is a Latin word, a term for mollusk. Uh, mollusk, you think of snails and uh, other shelled creatures, but also they don't have to have a shell. In fact, in that mollusk family is a very familiar animal we call the octopus. Now, if you were to look up online, you can do this very easily, a comparison between an octopus eye and man's eye they're extremely similar. Octopus eyeball has an iris, a cornea, a lens, uh, a way of focusing, a way of method of focusing is different. Most likely, my guess is, this is just my theory, it's because they live under sea and have to be able to focus at different depths. We don't have as much of a pressure problem on our eyes. You look again, and again, the modern versions of this tree of life are still somewhat very similar to this in that the one I looked at put mollusks at a very different branch of the tree of life than man. If we evolved from way down here at the beginning of evolution up to where we are now, how do they have such similarities between the eyeballs? I would argue that it's impossible. 
Okay, and number eight. Uh, we're again referring to man here, mankind, and the miracle of mankind. And I am going to have to conclude on this because we're running out of time. The Bible has a roadmap for life. Um, the, our DNA um, is very familiar to us. Again, I didn't want to put a picture up here, but we all have a picture in our brain of the double helical structure of DNA. It looks like a twisted ladder. Um, Approximately 3 billion base pairs uh, of DNA are twisted to fit into a space 6 microns across of a meter. They take a millimeter and a thousandth of a millimeter is what we're talking about. If you stretched out the DNA, it would be 5 feet long. That's one DNA molecule. If you stretched out all your DNA cells in the human body... If you strung them together, they would wrap twice around the solar system. <laughs> um, pretty incredible. Double check me on facts. If I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's what I've found. Um, in any case, it's an incredibly long, an incredible amount of information. DNA is like a roadmap to how to build your body. Now, what came first? Did the DNA come first? Uh, scientists, some of them are arguing that RNA came first. RNA is required to build the proteins that go into your body. So the DNA, think of it as a roadmap, almost like a computer program. RNA comes along, takes the information, says, okay, I want to build a protein cell. It's going to go to his left thigh. Let's go do it. And it goes out and sends a protein to the left thigh to build up that muscle. And then it says, oh, okay, this one, next one's going to be a fingernail. Let's send it to the right pinky. I mean, you can imagine the complexity there. It's not simple. And DNA, really, uh, research has just come about to uh, be useful in that sense in 